0: Let's have a word of prayer together if we could. Father, we will never know how much it cost to bear our sin upon that cross. But Lord, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ paid it all. Be glorified as we look into his beautiful face upon that cross. Be glorified this morning. And the opening of your word and the truths of it. we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> Would you please open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians 3:18? <clears throat> As we come to the Lord's table today, we want to consider what it means to be transformed into the image of Christ. The scripture that teaches us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have our identity in him. Our identity is not in our ethnicity, our identity is not in our political party, our identity is not in a fraternity or sorority we may uh, happen to belong to, but our identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we consider that, we can think of many things. We're crucified with Christ, uh, Romans 6. We're risen with Christ, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. We have his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We're joint heirs with him, Romans 8. These things are... Positional It's called positional truth, that is, they represent the Christians standing before God at the moment that person trusts the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment a, a man or a woman or a boy or a girl trusts Christ as Savior, God sees that person as perfectly righteous with Christ's righteousness. That person is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and has the glory of God indwelling. Another way of saying that is to say that we're in Christ. There's no more to be done. In Christ, we have all the abundance we could ever ask for and more. Peter, in the opening of his second epistle, put it like this, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. But to behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord and to be transformed is different. Here we go from our position to our condition. It's where the rubber meets the road. Am I living out my Christianity? What do I look like in my day-to-day life? What do I look like to the greeter over at HEB? Does my next-door neighbor see Christ in me? This experience is the changing reality of what we already are. It's the changing reality. Of what we already are. Let's look at. 2nd Corinthians 318. But we all. With unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. Are being transformed. Into the same image. From glory. To glory. Just as. By the Lord, from the Lord, the Spirit. <clears throat> now, you know, when I was a kid in uh, late elementary school and junior high, I loved sentence diagramming. I just loved it. It was it was like <clears throat> it was like looking at a map. I just loved that. And so I was thinking of this is one sentence. I was thinking about diagramming this sentence, but you know, I've forgotten a lot, and I know that there are enough homeschool moms here that as soon as I start doing that. They're, they're going to lean to their students and say, he should have put that word there. No, that line goes down there. So I'm not going to diagram a sentence. I can see just from looking that some of you are very grateful for that. But I do want us just to analyze and, and, and break down this sentence a little bit. Let's, let's remove uh, the modifying phrases and simply say, we are being transformed Into the same image. What image? The glory of the Lord. And what happens when we see. The glory of the Lord. We reflect. That image. We reflect the glory of the Lord. How are we described? We all. But we all. That is speaking of. If we look at the context of the whole passage, uh, all New Testament, all New Covenant believers, we all with unveiled faces. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And we're transformed. We're transformed when we behold that image with unveiled faces. Well, what is the progression of this transformation? It's from glory... To glory. And by what means? By the Lord the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit. So that's just breaking it down a little bit, but let's look at some context now. If we back up to earlier in the chapter, we would see that Paul is comparing the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law, with the New Covenant. He's going to reference Exodus 34 when Moses' face shown with the glory of God when coming down from Mount Sinai after uh, receiving the Ten Commandments and the law. He was speaking to God. And the people were afraid uh, to come near Moses. They, they distanced themselves. It's one of the early examples of social distancing um, they were doing. as God or As Moses gave that message from God the Ten Commandments and the law. And when Moses was done, he masked up. He put the veil on. See, that was by accident. (laughs) I didn't choose the passage because I promise you. He put the veil on his face. Why? Well, if you let your eyes go back up to verse 13 in chapter 3, Paul will tell us that it was because Moses did not want the people to see that the glory was fading. Each time Moses would speak to God, the shining glory would return. And presumably, each time he came away, the glory would begin to fade. So Moses would return the veil to his face. The sons of Israel could not see the glory of God. It was veiled. The Old Covenant means that those who were under it had their minds and their hearts veiled to what God was really like. They could not see God's glory. Pick up our passage in verse 16, verse 16 and 17 of 2 Corinthians 3. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And then our verse, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the spirit. Were we to read on, we would see that actually verse 18 is one of those hinge verses that I like to talk about sometimes. We're going to turn from the old covenant, from the law, from a list of do's and don'ts, from bullet points to be checked off to try to be right with God, to the glorious simplicity and sincerity that grows the believer into the likeness of Christ simply by gazing at his glory And then, in chapter 4, fits that believer for ministry. We who have trusted Christ and are indwelled by the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, have unveiled faces. That is to say that we have been given understanding in this new covenant age that those of the old covenant did not have. Even the Old Testament heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11 didn't have this understanding of God and his glory that those of us under the new covenant have. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40 says, And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. But we, because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, have clarity concerning the glory of the Lord that the Old Testament believer could not have. In those days, it was a glory that was fading and had to be renewed every time Moses went to talk to God. That became codified in the Old Testament sacrificial system that had to be repeated, had to be repeated weekly, monthly, yearly, year after year after year by the repetitive sacrifices. Uh, Again, the writer of Hebrews captures this in Hebrews 10, verses 1 and 2. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form, Of these realities it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshippers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. That system was not perfect it was inferior But we have unveiled faces because of the new covenant, because of Christ's one time, once for all, single sacrifice that we're going to remember around the Lord's table in a few minutes. Again, in Hebrews 10, for by a single offering, a single sacrifice, a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So our faces are unveiled. And we are constantly able to reflect the glory of the Lord as we gaze upon that glory. The transformation happens as we behold, as in a mirror, as we reflect the Lord's glory. But for you and me, what are some aspects of beholding the Lord's glory? What does that really even mean to behold the Lord's glory? Well, again, referring to to Hebrews in the opening of that great letter, uh, the writer tells us that God in these days has spoken to us through his Son, who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. So you want to see the glory of God? Look at the Son. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. His Omnipotence in calming the sea, his compassion in weeping over Lazarus, his omniscience in knowing exactly what the Pharisees were thinking, as in Luke chapter 7, his mercy toward the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15, his righteousness in cleansing the temple is in John 2, and his holiness at the transfiguration, as in Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9. To see God's glory, meditate on the life of Christ and his attributes. We also see the Lord's glory in abiding in Christ. John 15, 8 says... My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. And the context there is as we abide in Christ, the more we do that, the more fruit we bear and thereby glorify uh, the Lord. Abiding in Christ, it means staying in his word, meditating on his word, memorizing his word, obedience, joyful obedience to his word. It means having a, a a good prayer life. it means worship it means fellowship uh, with god 's people and all those things abiding in Christ is a way of beholding the glory of the Lord. The Word of God is a conduit for for uh, his glory and it is through the Word of God that the gospel is given just a few verses down from our passage here, if you let your eyes drop down to uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, starting in verse 4, we have this. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, Who is the image of God skipping down to verse six for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So you want to behold the glory of the Lord. Tell the gospel to others. I just loved looking over here while we were singing and, uh, seeing these young ladies here with their evangel cubes, preparing to give the gospel to people. That's great. They're preparing to behold the glory of the Lord. <clears throat> Have you ever been reviled for the name of Christ? <clears throat> There's glory in that. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter 4.14 <clears throat> says, If you are reviled for the name of Christ... You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. <clears throat> we become like what's really important to us. If money or power, prestige, status, or if those are the most important things, we, we make idols of those. And we become like others who do the same. Who worship them? Uh, Psalm one fifteen verse eight. Even if good things like evangelism are the most important things to us, if that's most important, we can tend to uh, be numbers driven. Uh, you know, I uh, I led so many people to Christ. I've got another notch on my belt. Uh, But we have a greater purpose to bring glory to God, to to behold Christ's glory and grow in the likeness of that glory. We become, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we're transformed. And the verse says from glory to glory. The word transformed there is the word metamorpho. metamorpho And it's a word from which we get metamorphosis. And I found myself as I was studying this, I was thinking, you know, at the transfiguration, the same word is used. It says Jesus was transfigured before them. And it's the same word. And I thought, well, you know, why don't the translators say we are transfigured from glory to glory? And so I thought about it and did some study of it. What happened to the Lord Jesus Christ? It was sudden and it was outward. What happens to us is gradual. It takes place over time, and it's inward. So transformed is a good English word to use there. We're transformed from glory to glory. Some translations say from one degree of glory to another. This is Paul's way of saying we grow in sanctification. In other words, sanctification is a big word it simply means we grow in Christ-likeness the changing reality of what we already are. Contrast this to the Old Testament glory of God that was seen only on occasion. The shining face of Moses faded until he went back to the mountain again. The the, the glory faded. It departed. I can think of three times uh, specifically When we're told in the scripture that the glory of God departed from Israel. The first time I can think of is in 1 Samuel 4. um, When the Philistines defeated Israel and took the Ark of the Covenant. And it was said that the glory had departed from Israel. The second time is in Ezekiel 10. Ezekiel in in Babylon and having a vision of of the temple in Jerusalem. And in that vision... The glory of God departed from the temple. And the third time is in Matthew 23, when the Lord Jesus wept over Jerusalem and said, Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. But God sees you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in this new covenant dispensation as having glory through the indwelling Holy Spirit the moment you're saved. And because um, the Holy Spirit will not depart, the glory will not depart. And as you behold the glory of Christ, you grow in glory by the power of the Holy Spirit. Consider this, concerning the transformation that takes place in the life of the believer. The one who beholds his Glory by faith grows in ever-increasing degree into the likeness of his glory. I'm going to use a musical illustration. The word crescendo means to grow ever louder. It's a word we sometimes even just use in everyday language, crescendo, to grow ever louder. Now, there's a a piece of music for a very large orchestra... Uh, by the French composer Maurice Ravel. The name of the music is bolero, and it's 16 minutes of a constant crescendo. Um, If you think about it, 16 minutes is a really long time for just this constant getting louder and louder. Um, A bolero is a type of Spanish dance, and in Ravel's music at the beginning, we just hear uh, a snare drum tapping out a bolero rhythm. So quietly that we can almost not even hear it. And then there's a solo flute that enters in very low register, which is also very quiet. Gradually, more and more instruments enter until about 12, 13 minutes into this 16 minute piece, we're on the edge of our seats. We think, wow, wow, this is loud. I don't see how this can get any louder than this. But yes, we find out over the next four minutes that it really can get a whole lot louder until finally at the end it comes roaring to a conclusion. Our growth in the manifestation of the glory of God is like that when we behold it by faith. So the question I ask all of us right now is where are you, in manifesting the glory of Christ in your life? Right now, is that glory very quiet, just a a distant drumbeat, so that only God and you are aware of it? Or is it 12 or 13 minutes in, so that those around you say, wow, I see the glory of Christ in your life? If that's the case, don't stop. Don't stop there. Continue beholding. And reflecting the glory of Christ all the way to the end of life, so that your life roars, Christ in me, the hope of glory. In a moment, as we partake of the Lord's table together, we'll have the awesome privilege of beholding the glory of Christ as he suffered, bled, and died on the cross. The glory of his Calvary love. At this moment, the question must be asked is his cross glorious to you? On this day, October 11th, 2020, as you partake of the communion elements, will you commit to an ever greater degree of daily beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord by faith. If we as individuals here at Grace Bible Church in San Marcos, Texas will commit to this, we need never talk about commitment to service and giving. We need never talk about obedience and evangelism. We never need talk about unity in the body these things are part of the whole package of being transformed into the glory of Christ I'm going to close with a quote from J.I. Packer's classic book Knowing God if you've never read this you really should I'm close with one quote here Do you see the glory of God in his wisdom, power, righteousness, truth, and love supremely disclosed at Calvary in the making of propitiation for our sins? The Bible does. And we venture to add if you felt the burden and the pressure of your own sins at its true weight, so would you. In heaven where these things are better understood, angels and men unite to praise the Lamb that was slain. Here on earth, those who by grace having made spiritual realists do the same. Do you feel the burden and pressure of your own sins at its true weight? Do you know on the cross, Jesus took the full weight, the full punishment for that sin. Before we go to the Lord's table, this would be a good time to silently bow and confess any known sin before the Lord and to thank him that in the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of his work, At Calvary, that sin is paid for.